On this final Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of love. Advent invites us to pause and to consider the implications of what it means that Christ the King literally came to earth in the form of a human. With the incarnation, God doesn't just tell us to be loving. He shows us the way, which is what the doctrine of incarnation is all about, that God came and moved into the neighborhood. He took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. So how do we prepare him room as we light this very day the Advent candle of love? It's the month of December, which means it is the season for watching Christmas movies. And I know there's a big debate as to which is the best Christmas movie of all times. We all have our opinions. I seem to always be able to find time to watch Elf and It's a Wonderful Life with Frank Capra's 1946 film It's a Wonderful Life being my ultimate favorite. You know the story, many of you. George Bailey has spent his entire life giving of himself to the people of Bedford Falls. He has always longed to travel but has not gotten to do so. He's not had the opportunity to do it in order to prevent rich, old, grumpy Mr. Potter from taking over the entire town. He watches his family and his friends become success stories as he dutifully runs his dad's business. All that prevents him from living the life that he wants to live is George's modest building and loan company which was founded by his dad, but on Christmas Eve, George's uncle Billy loses the business's money. When the bank examiner discovers the shortage that night, George realizes that he will be the one held responsible and sent to jail. The company will ultimately collapse, finally allowing Potter to take over the town. As George Bailey considers the people in his world, as he thinks about his wife and his children and others that he loves, he begins to wonder if they would be better off without him. He begins to wonder if life is still worth living. In a critical moment alone at a bar, he desperately prays, Dear Father in heaven, if you're up there, if you can hear me, show me the way. What George ultimately asks for and urgently needs is a sign, a sign to point the way. You know the rest. An angel in training, Clarence comes to earth to help George. Clarence shows him what the world would have been like without him, which was not very good at all. Our scripture passage this morning, it will involve a sign. The prophet Isaiah writes and speaks about 750 years before the time of Jesus, God sent prophets to speak a message to the people of God. The prophet's job was to help us to imagine that it could be otherwise than it currently is. Isaiah 6, which will be the chapter prior to this morning's scripture, it begins in the year that King Uzziah died. After King Uzziah dies, his son Ahaz will become king which will be the beginning of the bad times and the end of the good times. 
Isaiah, in that same chapter, he will hear the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. So Isaiah will get to be the prophet of the bad time, the hard time, a dark time, when everything will collapse. In chapter 7, the chapter of this morning's text, the prophet Isaiah will address King Ahaz of Judah. The prophet describes his land as a land of deep darkness. There was escalating regional tension. Enemies threatened tiny little Judah on three sides. It's a story of national crises and paralyzing fear. The people of God are in big trouble. We know deep darkness. There are many within this community of faith who are currently carrying heavy burdens. Not to mention our own escalating regional tension. Partisan politics and divided nation. It is into the pain and brokenness of the world that a message of hope is given. An embodied hope to which we must cling. Let's turn our attention now to this morning's scripture passage. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts, may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, give us eyes of wonder and a heart of love, we pray. Amen. It's been interesting this week for me to have conversation with some folks about the whole notion of signs. I don't know about you guys, but I don't tend to think about signs, or I don't believe I think about signs all that often. So it's been good for me to sit with this whole idea of signs this week. Human life is full of signs. A signpost has one function, to point the way. Travelers need somewhere to go. We need signposts and markers to help us to stay on the right road. Construction zone signs construction zone signs make us slow down and alert us to hazards and hopefully progress. Signs beg for us to pay attention to what is around us. Two weeks ago, 16 of us participated together in an Advent silent retreat at Cedar Break Retreat Center in Belton. As I started that time of silent retreat, I walked the perimeter of Cedar Break which has posted around it a portion of Psalm 100 as you walk along that path. I was blessed and encouraged by those scriptural signs, but I was equally guided by the road's directional signs that marked a turn or told me to slow. 
Some shared this week that they pray and ask for signs from God regularly. One shared of confirmation that came in a surprisingly clear way as he wondered whether or not to propose marriage. I'm aware of a few who believe that they received a sign of butterflies while out in nature as a form of encouragement and God reminding them that God was present with them as they were mourning the death of someone they loved. Most everyone I spoke with this week shared that signs for them typically come in the form of people. Stories in the Bible mention signs. For example, after Noah's flood, God put a rainbow in the sky as a sign of God's promise that he would never, ever again flood the earth. The burning bush was a sign to Moses of God's presence with him. In today's scripture, Ahaz is invited to ask for a sign to bolster his faith that God would indeed protect his people. It's an extraordinary offer and an invitation on God's part. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. So there's no restriction. It's a blank check. You fill in the amount. God essentially says, I know you need a sign. I am ready to help you believe. Ask for the moon. Which brings us to Ahaz's stunning response. No thank you. He makes his reason for doing so sound very religious. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.16, which says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. But really, he hides his unbelief. He lacks trust. He doesn't seem to believe a word that the prophet Isaiah is saying. Maybe he has been held captive to fear too long. Maybe he has already decided that God's promises are not as reliable as military might. What is God's response? He brushes aside Ahaz's objection and gives a sign nevertheless, which is really important to see. God still gives, even when we do not ask. God will show his faithfulness. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. In the New Testament, when Matthew, in his gospel, tells the story of the birth of Jesus, he will quote Isaiah 7:14 saying that the birth of Christ is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. The Lord will give a sign. It will not be another idea. It will not be a philosophy. It will not be a strategy or a guideline. It will be a person. Notice when it comes in a harsh time, during a dark period, when it feels like the world is falling apart and people are feeling vulnerable and anxious and afraid. The Bible tells us that we are going to have trouble and adversity. It's going to happen. But it sure isn't easy to navigate when it arrives. 
It's disorienting when we transition from the good times to harder ones, when we transition from good health to a difficult diagnosis or chronic limitations, when we transition from days of peace to days of unrest, when we have the unwanted transition of no longer getting to share life with someone we love physically beside us, when we transition from financial stability to being underwater, when a door closes or a dream dies. So how do we stay faithful to God and to each other when the going gets rough? In his book, A Grace Revealed, Jerry Sitzer mentions a 4th century hermit by the name of Abba Theodore and how Theodore used a particular word to describe disciples whose faith enabled them to transcend their circumstances. The word is ambidextrous, which you know means that a person is equally adept at using their right hand as their left. In baseball, an ambidextrous person often functions as a switch hitter. One of our presidents, James Garfield, had the gift of being ambidextrous. Apparently, he had the crazy ability of being able to write Latin with one hand and Greek with the other at the very same time. Theodore applied that word to spiritual matters. Ambidextrous disciples, he said, learn to live for Christ in both prosperity and adversity. Theodore noted how God uses both prosperity and adversity in order to advance his purposes and to enlarge our capacity to trust him. We prefer prosperity. Because it makes God seem good, the world seem right, and faith seems natural. As natural as writing with our dominant hand. Adversity does the opposite. Making life hard for us. Still, ambidextrous Christians take both in stride. Thus, prosperity does not lead to carelessness, nor does adversity lead to despair. Quite a few of you here this morning are aware of the fact that I was given the gift of a three-month sabbatical earlier this year. One of the most special moments during that time at the very end of, of my sabbatical involved doing a little bit of heritage work around my Scottish grandmother. My life has been deeply impacted by my maternal grandmother. I've shared this before. Losing both of her parents at a young age, she traveled alone at the age of eight from Scotland to America in order to live with distant relatives. Her extended family pulled together all of the money that they had to send her to the new world, to the land of opportunity. She didn't want to go. In fact, it broke her heart to leave Scotland. She had lost her dad at the age of two and lost her mom when she was eight years old. And leaving Scotland would now mean leaving behind the only person that she had left who now meant everything to her, her baby brother. 
but she was nevertheless sent to a new land. Unbeknownst to her family, distant family members agreed to take her in because they wanted a servant. Trapped for nearly two decades, help and rescue eventually came in the form of my very stubborn grandfather when my grandmother was 27 years of age. My grandmother's life had a difficult beginning, and more trials came after her rescue in a season of prosperity. Early married years and the birth of four children, there came a failed business venture for my grandfather in bankruptcy. A scary health journey with one of their kids that lasted for years and ultimately in the final years of her life, the dark journey of dementia. Yet, regardless of life circumstances, Grandma had the ability to find abundance and blessing in the midst of darkness and to ebb and flow between the good times and the hard times. There was joy in her journey. She was an ambidextrous Christian. Going back to my sabbatical, so on my final days there in the UK, I had been there almost a month, I found myself in Edinburgh for actually a day and a half. All that I had planned was accomplished when all of a sudden, as I was eating breakfast there in the lobby of the hotel where I was staying, I very spontaneously made the decision to try to find my grandmother's church that she had talked to me about where she worshiped and spent time until she was eight years old and and sent to our country. I didn't think I was going to do this. Prior to the beginning of my sabbatical, I had emailed and tried to call several times. I could never find anybody there at the church, so I didn't think it would happen on this trip. But as I sat there that morning, I thought, I am too close not to give it a try. So I quickly looked up the train schedule and the bus schedule. I made my way toward that. The bus dropped me off in the middle of this rural little town. I watched the bus drive away as I did so and pulled out my phone. All of a sudden, I was really glad that I had taken a screenshot of the return schedule of the bus because I had no cell phone signal at all. And then I just began to walk around because that had been the end of my plan was just to get there. And I began to walk around to try to find my grandmother's church and frankly just to find another human being. When all of a sudden after walking for some time way off in the distance I saw a woman walking her dog. I thought I had lost her as she made a turn down one of the streets, but then all of a sudden she reappeared again. And I approached her, I introduced myself, and told her I was looking for Churnside Parish Church. As I did so, all of a sudden, I began to absorb what it was that I was doing. I was standing and walking on the same streets that my beloved grandmother had walked. I was looking into the eyes of a precious older Scottish woman named Irene, and I was about to be guided to be directed to my grandmother's church. Irene must have noticed the tears that were brimming in my eyes because all of a sudden she looked at me and said, I, you're feeling a bit emotional. 
to which all I could muster up with a lump in my throat was I really loved my grandmother. Irene then directed me to Churnside Parish Church where I spent the afternoon exploring the grounds of the parish founded in the 12th century and a part of my grandmother's story. It was an absolute gift to draw near. And as I sat on a bench outside of that church, I sure felt the weight in a new way of all that my grandmother had left behind and understood a bit better why she has always felt so connected to that place. Sat on a bench and I gave thanks to God for the gift of my grandmother and the fact that I got to be her granddaughter, and I gave thanks for the body of Christ, for that church who had loved my grandmother so well during a very difficult time in her life. My grandmother has always been a sign to my family and to me of faith. As one who was able to walk with faith and with hope in the dark and in the light, she informs my faith to this day. What have you learned in the dark that you could have never learned in the light? What have you learned in the dark that you could have never learned in the light? It's a question Barbara Brown Taylor explores in her book, Learning to Walk in the Dark. Lessons learned in the dark help us to be with others in the dark night. Darkness helps us to learn to live with unanswered questions, to embrace mystery and trust in God's abiding presence, it's also a place of transformation and new life. Friends, God still gives, even when we do not ask. Sometimes that unasked-for sign of God's love for us is a person. A person that you did not ask for, but God in his grace gives. The Protestant theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says that Christ is always stronger in your brother's heart than in your own, which is to say, first, that we depend on one another for our faith, and second, that the love of Christ is something that you can never hoard. As poet Christian Wyman notes, Christ comes alive in communion between people. I depend on others for my faith. I depend on you for my faith. You are a sign to me of God's persevering love and faithfulness. We get to be signs to one another. Community is absolutely essential, friends. It is not about surviving on your own. Which is why traveling to the rural town of Churnside, Scotland, has been on my bucket list for over 20 years. I long to draw near to the church that loved her so well, this little Presbyterian church that was an early signpost of God's love, not the building, but the people. That is why she stayed so close to the church in Scotland and in the States throughout her life. Because no matter how lonely or frightened or discouraged she became, 
the people at her church helped her to find her way back to the one who loved her more than she dared imagine. That's what we do as the church. How do we make our hearts ready? How do we prepare him room? We receive the love of God, and then we become love for others, depending on others for our faith. These candles, they are a declaration and an invitation. We can live in hope, peace, joy, and love because of Emmanuel, God with us. And it is something that we participate in as co-laborers with God himself. Friends, is there someone that you can think of that you need to make space for and share the love of Christ? Let yourself be loved and then become love for someone else this week. In the busyness, the crazy busyness of our days, we don't want to miss the people right in front of us who are signs of God's love and grace, sometimes some of God's greatest gifts to us. Hopefully this week we'll all have an opportunity to reflect upon God's signs and great gifts to us as we journey through the week ahead. This is the season of the advent of God. Open your heart to the miracle of love. Signs will be given. The barren will birth. Longed, hoped-for dreams will become reality. Nothing is impossible with God. Let's pray together. Oh God, we praise you, adore you, lift your name on high. We are in awe of your incredible love. God, we pray to be a willing space for love to come, to let ourselves be loved. Come to us, Lord Jesus. Come and make your home with us. Help us to learn how to walk in the darkness and to be signs to another that God is with us. We don't want to be moving so fast that we miss the signs of your love. With gratitude for all of your gifts, we make this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.